All right, felt like we needed to have a little family talk on that issue. We're going to continue in our service this morning in, in our, our series called The Art of Normal. And if there, there is a theme verse for this series, and this is it. It comes out of Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13. I know that, that there is nothing better to do than to be happy and do good while they live. For people than to be happy and do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the free gift of God. And our main overarching theme in this series is the gift of God is that we want to thrive in the ordinary affairs of men. That all of the normal things of work and parenting and, and marriage and friendships and so forth, God has called us to enjoy these things even when they're difficult because we, 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 we apply all of this, we do all this in him. All of this is a form of worship. So we want to do good, we want to be happy and in satisfaction in the midst of what is toil. And so far what we've said is that work, we say in work we take satisfaction in all our labor by working for God and not man, that all mankind has been called to order and subdue creation. And in every work, whether you are the superintendent of the Middleton Public Schools or my friend who's the principal at Orchard Ridge or you in your work, because we are ordered by God to work and bring him glory, this is good work. All work is good work. And we should find joy in that. That brings honor to God, first point. And the second one is that men and women partner with God for the good of each other. That is Christian men and Christian women, each spouse has the responsibility to partner in God through the Holy Spirit and through the scripture to be a blessing to the other one. Come on, so I'll talk back with me. Some of you ought to be excited about that, that we have the opportunity to be Christ for our spouse. And in that, our marriages flourish. That was last week. This week we wanna talk about uh, Christian parenting. I want you to turn in your Bibles to page 1780. We need to look at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 6, 4. We need to see that Paul's instruction regarding parenting is couched in his overall gospel presentation that governs how individual Christians are to live in Christ, that governs how uh, married persons who are Christian come together in Christ, and that governs how we parent. That this is the gospel applied to parenting, all right? Page 1780 in your Bibles. Be very careful then, starting at verse 15 of chapter 5. How you live, not as the unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That what distinguishes Christians is that the Spirit of the living God is in us. And out of that Spirit of the living God and through the power of His Word is how we are to live out these things. Tremendous freedom, tremendous power by the Word of God. That's how we are to, to do all of our living, working, 
parenting, marrying. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As Christ submitted to the Father, people who marry should submit to each other that there ought to be this submission between Debbie and I, that we are willing to give to the other, that there's no, no lordship ideas, no, no husbands on the throne, but us sitting side by side doing God's work together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to pre present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And it's a high calling. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now this is a profound mystery that the gospel is displayed in marriage. The truth of the gospel is seen among Christian married people. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So this, I'm gonna focus on just one verse. Verse, verse four, but I can't focus on verse four if you don't see that what I'm really talking about is the whole gospel of Jesus Christ applied to the family. That this is the gospel applied to parenting. You need to understand that. Now, he, he talks to fathers specifically and for, I think, for two reasons, one cultural, one spiritual. The cultural reason is the context is, this is written to Ephesus, which is in the Roman Empire. And so these are fathers that are used to having total control according to Roman law. That the, the kids were property. That they could be sold into slavery. That a mom who had a newborn, if the dad didn't want the newborn, could take the child, take it out to the streets, and leave it there to die unless somebody picked it up. That this was the, the context, total authority. And what Paul is saying, that totally is contradicted by the love of God. And so in Christ, the Father is to be like our Father, a gentle shepherd who loves and nurtures and is full of grace and truth. He's trying to say, this is a total difference. That's the first point. The second one is a spiritual point. It is that the context of this is the nuclear Christian family, Christian husband, Christian wife, Christian children. And the father is called to be Christ in the household. 
that he is supposed to be a living sacrifice, that he gives his life for the family. He's supposed to be, to, to be Jesus. And so what he's saying here is that just as the father is supposed to be Christ to the wife, when the children come, he's supposed to be the loving, nurturer, representative of God in the home. Now, if you're a husband, this ought to get you nervous. You ought to be like, I'm supposed to be Jesus? Yes. You're supposed to grow more and more like Jesus. That's why I'm glad you're here this morning to hear this admonition and that you're going to go out with your Christian friends and talk about this and how we can work with each other to help each other take on this responsibility in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fellowship of the Christian church, through the Word of God. Come on, talk back with me. You can get this done. You can be Jesus in your home, but you need some help from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, from the preached Word, from the teached Word, from your spiritual friends, on your knees, on your knees big time. That you can do this. Now, this instruction applies. The context is to the nuclear Christian family, but the principles apply to all of us. So that if you're a, a, a wife with no children, if you are step parents, if you are foster parents, these principles of encouragement and nurture and discipline and instructive instruction in the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God, apply to all of us. And if you don't have children, know this, that it takes a village to raise a child. It's an old African proverb, comes from the Yoruba people in Nigeria. The whole village that's why we have to work cooperatively with the schools here in Madison, even those who are, don't have the same faith. We are entrusting them, especially if we put them in public schools, if you put them in sports teams, if you do any living at all, and if you get out of your children's sight for just one minute, right, you are entrusting the community, right, to, to be, now how much more in the family of God? When we come together as a family with youth ministers, and, and, and pastors and friends. It takes a village, we come together. So these principles, if you never parent a child in your life, apply these principles when you're babysitting. Apply these principles when you're just serving in youth ministry. Or if you get a chance to speak a word of encouragement into a kid's life, apply these principles. So what we're talking about is this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but raise them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I want to make that contemporary. I want to say that we are to empower our children to live for Christ. Empowerment, that's what we're about. I'm trying to take Jared and Jason, influence them with the gospel through the Holy Spirit, in gentleness, in love, in truth, such that they can live for Jesus by themselves. My goal is to launch them and to empower them. What I mean by empowering is this is the process by which we guide another person. We recognize their potential. We help them reach, reach their potential through encouragement and guidance. I'm saying that Christian parenting is, uh, uh, parenting is akin to an empowerment lifetime process. So how do we go about doing this for our children? 
Well, verse 4 gives us four principles, four principles, not rules, principles from the Word of God that you are to creatively deploy as you raise your children in Jesus. The first one is that to empower, we must encourage our children. To empower, we must nurture our children. To empower, we must correct our children. To empower, we must instruct our children. We need to do these four things in order to empower our children to live for Jesus. So we got to encourage them. There's, this, there's a discouragement. I read an article by John MacArthur. I see a slide that might be missing. Oh, no, it's not. I got it. In this text, you see, he says to fathers, which applies to parents, don't discourage. This is followed up in Colossians 3.21, a very similar thought. It's very interesting that he says this twice. So here's the normal ways I have discouraged Jason and Jared over their whole life. John MacArthur, pastor in California, wrote this, but he was living in my household. He must have saw me at work. And so the mistakes that I make are over-discipline, just, just, just too harsh for what was occurring. Inconsistent discipline. Something that he didn't wash the dishes tonight, I do this, the next three weeks I don't say anything. Inconsistent discipline. Overprotection. Jared, Jason, he's, he's 22 years old. You have to be home at 6.30 on Friday. Dad, 6.30, 6.30 on Friday. Now. I'm taking the keys. Uh, how overprotective parenting. Pressure to achieve. Jared, you're going to Harvard, then you're going to Yale, and then you're going to med school and law school, and you're going to get it done in four years. <laughs> Pressure pressure to achieve. We have these aspirations that we never could fulfill for our kid, and our kid has got a bent to go in this direction. We've got these aspirations, he's bent in this direction, we got massive problems, we got exasperated children. There, there's constant criticism because they can't, they can never compare, they can never reach these guidelines. So I'm always criticizing, right? So this is, this is not really the truth, but you get the point. I'm using myself as a living illustration. And then there's neglect. Busy dads, build a, building a career. Busy moms, building a career. Don't jeopardize your, God has not called you to jeopardize your children over your career. I have had spells of a couple of months where my schedule went something like this. Up by five, home at nine. The kids heard my car in the morning and heard my car at night. They were in bed when I got home and I was gone before they got up. Neglect. Cut that crap out. Invest in your children. Get a new job if you have to. Good, good friend of mine is working in, in, uh, in Colorado. The, the headquarters, the CEO wants him to take a job in Madison. He told him, not until my high school kid finishes school. Now he may not get this opportunity again, but he said, I don't care. My son needs to finish in comfortable surroundings with people he knows. And if it costs me a promotion, so be it. Encourage your children. Don't neglect them. So we've got to encourage. That means we've got to know who they are. Encourage them for who they are, not what they've done. This one comes from Andy Flotmeyer, a good friend of mine. We trade parenting tips. He says this. He says, recognize what your children can do and then guide them in it. One of my sons is a kind of a deep thinker. One of mine is a faithful worker. The faithful worker who's an introvert was in sales, didn't work out. 
but now he went to a job where it's very regimented and it requires labor and he's faithful and doing well and getting promotions. The other one, I have to engage him uh, intellectually. Hey, why don't you read this article with me? Why don't we talk about the current situation? Even this current situation between the Jesus uh, moms, the moms for the Jesus lunch and the others are, hey, why don't you read this article? What do you think? Well, here's kind of what I think. What do you think about this article? Here's more information. It's a fluid situation. How do we apply Jesus in this? Know your kids and bless them. Jared. You are my bonus son. We didn't think we could have another son. We prayed and God gave us you. You are smart. You've had shown tremendous wisdom from even young, I was astounded some of the things you would say, driving around in the car with you at three or four years old. You are about to apply for colleges, apply to some big ones, you can do it. You are gonna do marvelous things. I'm praying for your health so that you can break more records in track. You got a bright future, but here's the main drill. You accepted Jesus when you were young. I've been praying for you to grow in Christ. I'm praying for your wife. I've been praying since you were like this, for the, your godly wife, like your mother, in terms of character. God is going to bless you immensely. Don't be afraid when he calls you to do something for him. You can do it. I never expected to be called into this ministry. When he makes your call, you can do it. You got to bless your children. Some of the times when I wasn't there in those mornings, I wasn't there to find out how they were doing. And so I didn't see that they were struggling and I wasn't able to say, how's it? I mean, I can see something's wrong. How do you want me to pray for you? One of the most powerful things you can do for a child. How do you want me to pray for you? Bless your children. How to encourage your children. To empower your children, we must nurture them. This idea is that we bring them up. In 529, the thought is it's applied to the wife, how you're supposed to be gentle and encouraged. Some of you guys are wondering why I call her wifey and why I get the flowers. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to nurture, I'm trying to love, I'm trying to, that's my good thing. Come on, talk back with me. I'm trying to make that thing even better and better. And, 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 come on now. I'm trying to nurture, I'm trying to cherish. Well, that's the same kind of tender care. It's, it's to be applied to children as you raise them up. The idea is to feed and care for them intellectually, spiritually, socially, the whole package, the whole gamut. And so how do we do that? We have to model that Christ is the head of the home. Here at High Point, we have a mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ through gospel connection, growth, and service. What I'm saying is your children need to see you connecting with God in worship and with others in fellowship, enjoying the fellowship of others. He needs to see you growing in your understanding of the Bible and your knowledge of the gospel. They need to see you serve the city of Madison and reach the world. They need to see you actively involved in that. You need to bring them alongside to, to, to be a part of that with you. you. They need to see that God is the head of the home. And my house, our number one motto is this, we serve Jesus. If they don't know anything about wifey and, and, and me, if my kids, whatever, yeah. One thing, they love Jesus, they serve Jesus. We serve Jesus, we need to show our kids, to nurture them, 
that it's in Jesus. Every beautiful and good and worthwhile thing that has come to Jared and Jason has come because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that he has bestowed upon me and my wife. I want my kids to understand that and to see that. We need to promote an atmosphere of love. We need to have fun in the household. What are you doing, husbands and wives, just to have fun with your kids? How are you showing forgiveness? Harsh dads like me, do you ever apologize to your kids when you know you don't do it wrong? Do they see the humility in you, mom and dad, that you will admit your sins and and that they will, my sons are always forgiving to me, it's amazing. They still love dad, or at least they act like it. And that is, that is the beauty of Christ in the family, that my children still love me though I have messed up, and I still love my children forever. That is the forgiveness and mercy that is in Christ. Jesus said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, 70 times. How many times has Jared and Jason forgiven me? Seven times, 76, a lot. There needs to be love in the house. I used to have this thing of family hug when they were young. I need to get back to hugging them now that they're bigger. It's harder now because they're, I mean, we used to call Jared little guy. He was small, man. Brothers 5'11", brothers, you know, 170. Now he big, he not small no more. And so I feel like it's harder to, I need to hug them for no reason, but I love them to death. Nurture, love. So we need to encourage our children. We need to nurture our children. We need to empower our children through discipline. This word here is that the whole idea of raising a children is the, is the idea here. It's, it's, it's all of that, that is required into instruction, including correction and reproof when necessary. And the emphasis here though is on the activity of the parent. So one of the things I do for ministry and to be of service to Jesus as I have for the last three years at Orchard Ridge, I read with first graders. And they love me. Once they get to see that you're gonna keep coming, they just like, hey, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Lloyd, can you read with me? Mr. Lloyd. So four or five of them will come. And then I'll read, I'll say, hey, I'm gonna read with you. And we'll sit down and I'll say, hey, let's read. And they'll read, and if, they're, if things are going great, I'll be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, every word is really good. And the difficult words in children's books, they repeat them. And so if they have exasperate, and you know a kid can't, a first grader can't do that, they'll put 20 times exasperate in the, in the Bible, in the book. And so then we can just sort of sound it out. So sometimes I'll, I'll say it for them, other times they'll say it. And, but here's the thing, they get better and better, that's the beauty of coming. You can see them in blossoming, blossoming as readers. And all the data says that the best thing to do for a kid is to get them to read and they'll be able to excel. So as I'm like, they're excited, I'm excited, it's a wonderful thing. And they don't mind me correcting them. But the truth of parenting is, a lot of times when we're correcting and trying to work with our children, sometimes they just dislike it. Right, Sarah? Sometimes they don't like it. Other times, they just outright hate it. And that's why there is an art to this area of parental empowerment and discipline. Now, I want to say to you an honest confession. I make a lot of mistakes in this area of correction. My biggest mistakes have come from ignoring things I should not have ignored, of things they needed to learn and to do, 
or overreacting on things that they did that I didn't like. Ignoring and overreacting are the extremes, right? Now be honest with you, if you're a parent, you know that there's a temptation to fall. You're tired, so you ignore. And then you agitate it, so you overreact. All right, come on, talk back with me, somebody. That is how it goes. And so we're not called to be in either of those camps. We are called first to be modeling. And so if we want our kids to be responsible, then we need to be responsible. If we're expecting them to get up and on their own and to help and to clean, they need to see orderliness. They need to see the behaviors that, that we want for them in our own lives. We have no real right and we won't be effective calling our kids to certain behaviors and character attributes that we refuse to, 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 to model. We have to always be modeling first and foremost. And then we've got to explain the instructions in a way that's best for them. With Jared, I have to get in a conversation first. I can't just come home and bark orders and expect that he's going to like it and comply and learn anything. But if we're talking, when we get talking, man, we can talk about anything. I had one of the best times of my life yesterday going to buy a tux with Jared. We were just talking about whatever. And the talking about whenever is when I can instruct and he can receive. You got to know your children. You got to know how to do this kind of instruction. You got to let your children experience the consequences of disobedience. Set the parameters, be reasonable in setting the parameters. And when they don't meet them, you got to let them experience the consequences of that pain. And the older they get, the more consequences you got to allow for them so that they can get corrected and they can do the right thing. That's what the, our loving Father does for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says that he lets us to endure discipline so that we can grow in holiness. No father disciplines his son. In fact, if you hate your son, then don't discipline him. If you hate him, mom, single mom, in your busy schedule, then don't, don't correct him. But if you love them, be reasonable, be gentle, but be correcting if you love them. And then repeat this often, this cycle. Model, patience, consequences, repeat. Model, patience, consequences, repeat. Model, because the deal is this takes a long time. You might not see the fruit that you wanna see. So it's toil in the everyday, but every now and then you'll see a, a, a graduation. Every now and then you'll see character. Every now and then you'll see the fruit of the spirit and you'll recognize that you're on the right track. And what I'm looking for, is a sons who are launched, who know and love and serve Jesus, and who can work and, and care for a family. And all of the blessedness that they have seen come through Jesus, through us in our household, I'm looking for them to reduplicate that over again. I'm praying for save, saved children for generations. I got a lot invested in these guys. I, for generations is what I'm talking about. Come on, I want every bit of that God might give them to know Jesus and to have eternal life. And so I want to model the joy of the Lord in my life right now. I want them to want some of that joy in the Lord. Come on. Being a Christian is fun. It's a blessing to be under his care and concern, to have his mercy, to not worry about how you're financially going to make it, to know that if you get put Jesus first, all these things will be given to you. It's a blessing. My son is laughing over there. It's a blessing. Come on, talk back with me. It's a blessing to be in my house because of Jesus. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. 
the art of empowerment through discipline. To empower your children, we must instruct them. Literally, to put things into their mind. Emphasis is verbal instruction. Now, this is more verbal. So we gotta be asking questions and listening. If I'm gonna instruct Jerry anything, I gotta listen, I gotta ask questions, I gotta listen. My guess is that applies broadly. We have to know our children, we have to have open dialogue if we're gonna speak into our kids' lives. And you gotta know how to speak when they can receive it. There's certain times to say it. It might be true, it might be necessary, but it is just not the right time. It's true, it's necessary, but the timing is bad. I could talk about marriage like this too. Right? Come on now, talk with back with me. Sometimes it's not time to have the fight. Just cool your jets for a minute and wait for the right opportunity where God will open up the ears so that you can have a dialogue and so that there can be learning and instruction and growth in Christ. Wait for the opportunity and instruct on matters of faith and practice. The, one of the weak areas, especially for dads, is to take the responsibility, their responsibility, primarily if there's husbands and children in the household. For dads to take the responsibility to, to, to teach them spiritual things, got to keep those doors open. You got to use public events to teach character. You got to use devotional books. You got to use story Bibles. You got to use articles. You got to use books. Most recently, we used a retreat. Whatever it takes, it'll change as time goes on. Make it fresh. Don't stay consistent. My biggest uh, errors have been inconsistency. If Jared was true, he's an inconsistency dad. Yes, get consistent. But teach your children the faith. The church supplements, but you are to train your child into the love of admonition and admonition of the Lord with help from the community. So what have we said? To empower our children to live for Christ, we need to encourage. Think about blessing. We need to nurture. Think about God being the one in your home, being the head of your home. We need to discipline. Think about patience. And we need to instruct. Think about consistency. A closing story. I want, this one really applies to parents of adult children. Uh, as my kids get older, my oldest is will be 22 this year, youngest will be going to be a senior next year, 16. I'm thinking more about these adult children issues and the very delicate parenting of someone who's not quite on their own yet, Sue, but still in your house. Not quite there, not quite free, not quite adult, but still in your house and you gotta figure that out, man. This, is, this has been the toughest time for me as a parent. Um, when I was 24, my brother and I moved out into an apartment. I came back from the U of I, had a reasonably good job, moved out with my brother. Uh, my wife and I started dating. I knew her from college. We didn't date in college. But afterwards, and I was like, this is the one. She's the one. Godly woman. I knew Jesus. This was the right time. And she told me she wanted an emerald cut diamond. So I went to a store downtown, a jewelry store. I used to work downtown. Saw this beautiful emerald cut diamond. It was pricey. It was beautiful, though. Uh, took a good friend of mine, Kathy LaPlante Clocky. She went with me. She was another U of I person. We used to be resident advisors together. We went. She said, Lloyd, this is beautiful. I said, oh, she's beautiful. She's going to love this. She's going to love this. So I just didn't have the money. I didn't have all that money. I made these. Everybody didn't have all that money. So, so, so I went to my dad. And I said to my, I went into his house. It's a funny story. Went into his house. And, and, and we sat down. I said, Dad, 
Then I'm about to marry Deborah. He's like, good, nice woman, you know. My dad was a World War II vet. He grew up in the Depression. He was a teenager in Depression, then went to war in World War II. That, those kind of guys, they just, they, they know tough times. They got a discipline, they're a little different. I would say he was, you know, some people would say he was a frugal. I would say he was cheap, right? He was cheap, you know how to squeeze a dollar till it shouted. It's cheap, right? So anyway, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I want to marry Deborah. The, the, the ring costs such and such, I only have someone, so what would you, would you co-sign in this ring? Dad got quiet. Got up from his chair, went into his bedroom. I was like, man, I'm 24. You gonna get a belt on me still? <laughs> only half joking, only half joking. He goes, he gets $300. I see him walk back, $300 in his hand. He looks me dead in the face. This is what he tells me. Changed my life. He says this. He said, Lloyd, get a ring that you can afford and learn how to live within your means. Lloyd, get a ring that you can afford and learn how to live within your means. I don't remember what else he said. Here's how I felt. My dad gave me $300 to marry the love of my life. My dad was blessing my marriage. He was encouraging me to marry her. Then he gave me this uh, admonition. Don't spend above your means. That was the discipline. And then he gave me the instruction. Learn how to live within your means, he said. So here's what I did. I left there with that $300. I went to Seidel and Seidel Jewelers in downtown Chicago. I told Mr. Seidel, I want that ring. Here's the money I got. In six months, I'm gonna come back and get that ring. And I went and I saved every dime. Saved every nickel. I was single, it was easy, you know? A few less hot dogs and so forth. Everything. <laughs> and in six months, I had all the money to buy that ring. And here's the beauty of the story. At 24, when I'm asked that, that was the last time my dad had to provide, or mom had to give me any money. Because I knew I was getting married and I knew the Bible well enough to know that I was to leave and cleave to her and that I was gonna be responsible for her spiritually and financially. And I took it to heart that yeah, we gonna have to learn, honey, to, to live within our means when we paid off all these debts. And I, I learned from my father a lesson that he had showed me in, in his household over many years, how to take care of his kids and be responsible and to take care of his mother. And so then I was able to actually be a blessing to my mom. My dad died at, at 1997. And to be blessing my mom with extra resources, as the Bible says, from my dad, who I'm not sure knew Jesus. But he had the image of God in him and knew how to love his children with encouragement, and training and instruction. I want you to go and do the same thing. You, you, those of you who are in your 20s, please take that instruction to heart. To say that you are to launch, that you are to leave and cleave, that you are to take what your parents have blessed you with and then now launch out and live for Jesus on your, on your own. So here's the big idea, fathers, parents, don't exasperate your children, instead raise them in the instruction and training of the Lord. Empower your children, empower your children through nurture, 
and encouragement and instruction and kind discipline. Empower them to launch out and live in power for Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, um, we recognize that this isn't like rules. This is like the principles that you govern the affairs of, of the world, that how you shepherd and how you care for us as your spiritual children, these principles we are to apply in our lives. And we are to be like Jesus to the kids we raise, whether these are our natural children or just the children that are around us. Lord, we recognize that it takes a village to raise a child. We're all in this process of helping create an orderly society through the proper raising of children. So bless us, Lord. This is, we want to do extraordinary work in this ordinary, everyday affair of being parenting. And it's only in Christ that we can succeed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.